Hey there, welcome to Above Board with Candor Path. You have shown up at the right time because we just happen to be here. <laughs> so it's me, the Rich B, with my friend JFK and my other friend Matt. How you boys doing? We're doing great. We're doing great. Well, I'm excited about our topic today. Hello, everyone. Hi, Hi, Richard. Hi, Richard. I'm excited about our topic as well. First of all, I want to give a shout out to all the people that have been downloading our podcast. It has been blowing up like crazy. So thank you, you all, for that. We are like kind of taken aback by how successful it's been. And it means a lot to us because we want to make a difference for you all. So make sure that you like and share this podcast and throw us some kind comments. We'd appreciate that. So today's topic is going to be a rather compelling topic. It's going to be how to lose money. No, we're not going to teach you how to do it. Maybe we're going to help you avoid it altogether. So one easy way to lose money right out of the gate is to cut a hole in your pocket, stuff your pocket full of money, and go running down the street. But other than that, there's probably some other more common ways that people lose money. I just happen to be, by total coincidence, on a podcast with these two dudes who are financial planners. So guys, would you say, before we get into the meat and potatoes of this, would you say that people kind of lose money sometimes when they don't mean to? Yeah, yeah, I think so, Rich. And, you know, listen, the grass is not always greener on the other side. Where did I just recently see <laughs> that? It is if it's growing over a cesspool. Ah, it is. Yeah. So uh, if you're not following the Rich B, Memento Rich B, Rich, what's your name on TikTok? So on TikTok, it's the, on TikTok, it's the Rich B and on Instagram, it's Memento the Rich B. I can't keep up with your name changes, Neither can but I. Um, I, I thought it was really a good timing for today's conversation, talking about how the grass is greener on the other side, or, or in this case, it, how it's not always greener on the other side. And I think when it comes to money, everyone has the FOMO, has the fear of missing out, or has, it would be nice if. And I think a lot of what we're going to talk about today is focusing on what you have rather than worrying about what everyone else has. Uh, so I think that's going to be a really good topic for today's conversation on how to lose money, which really that is a very much tongue in cheek. We're talking about things to not do. Um, right. And, and to not do. Want, so as a re- exact. So as Aretha Franklin once said, once said what you want Baby, I got it. That's how people are because they, they they just look around and, you know, they, the money is greener on the other side of the wallet. So let me ask you guys, can I just ask you guys some very common things that like us normal people who aren't money masters of the universe kind of think about and worry about? Can I just ask? Because I know that a lot of people listening are going to have these same questions and probably have heard these questions before. Is that cool? Go for it. I mean, okay. we can't promise we'll have good answers, but no, I know away. you will. Number one, uh, is the myth true that a monkey throwing a dart at the New York Times um, uh, NASDAQ list of stocks is going to be as efficient as a person who's educated on the stock market will be at picking stocks and investments? Yes or no? Seems like a really smart way to pick investments. <laughs> I like it. I don't it. know. Matt, what do you say? <laughs> yeah, I think you can manipulate data to show any argument that you have over any period of time. So could a monkey throwing bananas and or whatever it is what, what are they doing? A dart. Why are they going to throw a banana? I, I, monkeys, when do you get a monkey throw a dart? I mean, a monkey can throw bananas. I don't know. I mean, things. first of all, where are you right. going to find a monkey? I mean, that's right. the first problem. Like Let's, right now, if I asked you guys, if I said, I'll give you $10,000, you have one hour, come back with a monkey. Could either of you do it? I mean, no. I'm up for the challenge. $10,000, I would give it a shot and there would be a monkey I'll give going you missing this from pen. the local zoo. I'll give you this pen if you could show up with a monkey yeah. in Okay, one guys, hour. this is a serious podcast. Let's focus here. Can a monkey 
throw a banana and hit and and outperform masters of of investments. And I would say again if you if you argued that timing you could control the timing, you could control when you looked at these pieces of data, I'm sure there is some evidence to that. Over a long-term period of time, um, over someone who really knows what they're doing and understands how the flow of money works and how investments work, I would argue that academia does a better job than random occurrences, which is basically what you're saying. Uh, and so having some academic background, having some knowledge of the way the markets are working, have some knowledge of how stocks work in general puts you a well ahead of, of a monkey throwing even object. Matt's so smart. We're just going to let you answer these questions. Well, That's a good one. Well, even a really smart monkey. So any monkey will just say no to the monkey. I mean, can the monkey also predict the Super Bowl winner? Cause I've seen that before where, uh, you know, the, the local whale at the, you know, sea world or whatever picks, pick can pick, can pick things or the, Anteater goes to the right bowl of food and kills. The local whale. The local, because everyone's got a local whale. Does not everyone have a local whale? I mean, we You don't want the whale that you have to travel to. You want the local whale, the one that's in your town. Okay, we've answered that question. Can we just move on, Matt, please? We're we're beating a dead monkey at this point. So let's just move on. Okay, next question. If I give up my cappuccino every day, is that a wise way? You know, they say like, if you gave up your cappuccino every day and instead just made your own coffee, you'd become a millionaire by the age of 49. Is it true? I'm going to let Matt go again because I, I mean, Ooh, I I'm curious if our, our opinions are different. Let's both so, answer this question. So you go if first. you're asking, should I spend less and save more? Does that help me long term? I'm going to say definitively it's yes. Now, does that mean you have to give up your cappuccino or whatever? No, it doesn't mean that. Does that mean you need to save in other places in your life? Most definitely. So listen, John is a, John's a big Starbucks guy. So, you know, listen, we have someone on our panel who spends five bucks on a cup of coffee. Does, is that okay? It's perfectly fine. Does he save in other places? I can guarantee that he does. Uh, so I think it's less about what it is. I think it's more about I get understanding. Points. I get points from Starbucks, and it's designed to. Okay, I bet your credit card gives you points too, and that's why if I just spend up, it's no big deal, and I get more points the more I spend. No, um, that is that is true. That's why we talk to clients about not using credit cards and not focusing on the point system because it's all designed for you to spend more. Um, thanks for calling out my Starbucks habit, but I will. I basically agree with Matt. It, the example that you hear about, like giving up your cappuccino, giving up a coffee a day to save that number. Um, it, that that's just because that's relative to the most amount of people because a lot of people drink coffee, but it's giving up some sacrifice, sacrificing something with your expenditures and instead choosing to save the money. And that's a hard, we're talking about practicing discipline and, and making some, making a hard choice to save money. But over time, like Matt said, does that work? Yes, because you spend less and you save more. And think about where the variables are, right? Mm-hmm. You have a finite amount of income coming in. And and not always do you have control over that, right? Your your boss right. or your company has control over your or and you have a control I think to some extent of this job's not paying me enough, I need to go find a new job. But let's just say in a vacuum, you have a finite amount of money coming in. What you can control, and you we can't control that part of it. What you can control though is what's going out. And that's really where the focus needs to be is where are the holes in the bucket draining that water out and can we plug some of them? And if one of those holes is a $5 a day or whatever it is, Starbucks coffee, then that is a pretty easy one to plug. Now, what you shouldn't do is go buy an espresso machine 
and trade, you know, trade that in for two bucks a day because at this point it's not really making a whole heck of a lot of a difference. But if you okay. can plug some of the holes, I think that's Matt's spitting fire. He brought his spitting A game fire. today. Man, he's bringing keep him coming. A lot, the last the last couple really quick. Um, the, the, it's often been said that you should buy a car versus lease a car or lease a car versus buy a car. And I've had friends who are financial planners who have said it makes no sense to buy a car because it's a depreciating thing. And I've had other ones say it makes no sense to lease a car. You should buy an affordable car, pay it off and keep it for as long as possible. So real quick, which one of those is, is which myth or which one of those beliefs do you guys kind of support? Um, am I, should I take this? It's all you. Are you going to do anything here today, by the way? What what, what is your purpose, John? What do you do? You're doing all the heavy lifting. Goodness gracious. Okay. So let me, let me take this one. So John can sit and just say, I agree with Matt. Um, here's what, here's what scares Ah. me. Here's my problem. Blanket statements, blanket Hmm. statements to me in general, um, are our problem. Leasing is horrible. Buying is horrible. These are all blanket statements and none of them, it, it, the best way to lose money is to live life with a blanket statement and saying that there are absolutes and there's really not there's there's preferences there's going back to the to the Starbucks if you say listen i like having a new car every 3 years i'm okay with a premium for being able to do that i don't like maintenance on a vehicle i don't ever want to be left stranded with a car you know, it, so my my point is if that's what's important to you then sometimes and you can afford it uh, and you can afford it. Good point, John. Then sometimes leasing makes perfect sense. So so that would also connect to like buying a house versus renting. Because I saw this and I don't remember his name, but I saw this like financial guru on YouTube and he's got quite a big following. And his premise that I heard was it makes no sense to buy a house. You should rent. And I was really surprised to hear that because at least my generation you know, it was always like buy a house, buy a house. It makes no, don't, don't throw your money away on rent. You should save your money till you can buy a house. So it, it, the same goes for that. Another blanket statement. I have okay. clients who live in Manhattan who um, switch jobs a lot. Does it make sense to buy um, a, a place right now in a city where there's an elevated uh, cost of ownership? Does it make sense to do that or have the flexibility of saying, you know what, maybe in two years, I'm going to go move to California and now you have this anchor keeping you there. Now, is there appreciation on that? Is there ability to rent it? Are there these other extenuating circumstances? By all means, there are. So it's not a blanket statement. You can't so, make that. It's about your situation. So what I've learned from you is that it's very safe to say, depending on where I am, what I'm doing and what I'm up to, it's okay for me to buy a coffee in a leased car and park in front of the house that I just bought. All of that would work. As long as it fits my oh, and I have my monkey in the back seat who has just thrown a dart at the New York Times. All if of you that have gone work. to see your certified financial planner, and you've explained all of these things to your certified financial planner, and they come back and say some of these things are perfectly fine, and some others, you know what? Hey, I looked at your trends. You're keeping cars for seven or eight or nine years, or you really, you really love to keep that car till it has a hundred thousand miles. And then you say, should I lease? The answer is probably probably not. That doesn't make a ton of sense. The same as if you say, hey, listen, I really love where that where I live. I can see myself living here for the rest of my life. Does it make sense to rent in that situation? Probably okay. not. So, so it's all about your situation and having someone that you can go to to bounce these ideas off of. Now, John is staring off into, into space. So I think that he needs to say something right now. 
Well, he's staring off into space because I think he's transfixed by the wisdom bombs. I, I really am. I mean, you're just spitting fire. Also, there's a lot of kid noise in the background, so I was on mute while you were talking. Um, <laughs> I agree with everything you've said. Well done, Matthew. So, so okay. So the, the reason that I'm asking all these questions is as a layperson, as a non-financial guru expert kind of person, these are the things that I hear people ask. These are things that I've asked in the past. So if we were going to give people some really quick usable advice on how to avoid losing money, simple things that the average person, not, not necessarily somebody making, you know, six figure incomes, but it could be somebody making, you know, a million a year or somebody making, you know, 15,000 a year. What are some of the most common ways that people lose money that if they made a couple of simple changes that they could change to improve that situation. My thought is stop listening to the noise. They're trying to focus on the next stock tip or buying the next big cryptocurrency or whatever is hot in in the media right now. And instead, are you saving the right percentages? Are you putting 10 or 15 or even 20% away to your 401k? Are you doing the things that's hard to do? And it's just like anything else, like you, you put your head down, you do the work and it's consistency over a long stretch of time that matters the most. But so many people get caught up and it's easy to see why, you know, uh, earlier this year, there were a handful of, of stocks, we won't name names, but a handful of stocks that caught the attention of every, everyone's eye through like social media. And then it was on the news and these stocks were going through the roof and people were trying to buy these stocks. A lot of people ended up actually getting hurt because they bought them at the wrong time. And that is a distraction. That is, to me, just looking at the wrong thing and trying to go for like, oh, cool, this is a quick buck. I can make money. Whereas focusing on what you can control, which is the hard work and the discipline of saving, of choosing to brew your own brew versus you know buying the cappuccino for 5 or $6 and saving the difference. That's why that example always exists because it's you're just you're talking about making a sacrifice and doing something hard. And nobody wants to do the hard thing. Um, but anyone listening to this probably does. And so that's, to me, that's the biggest thing. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I I, I 100% agree with you. So not following a trend, um, not trying to get rich quick. Get rich slow is actually the right way to go. Short of you winning the lottery or coming into a massive amount of inheritance or something like that. Getting rich slow is actually the right way. That means you're doing it the right way. Um, I I think the the point that I would like to go for, uh, Rich, is to know what's happening with your finances. Um, to not bury your head in the sand. I just had an initial meeting with a new client um, yesterday, as a matter of fact. And the question was, do you have a budget? And the answer was no. Um, do you have a do you do you know where your money is going? And the answer is no. Of course, you're not going to be set up for success if you have no idea what's happening with your finances. Now, again, this is something we deal with all day long. So of course, we have really good spreadsheets and we know where our personal finances are. I don't expect the school teacher out there or um, you know, the, the, the factory worker out there or the doctor out there to know where every single element of their finances are, but you've got to be paying attention to it because the best way to lose it is to not keep your eye on it and just have it come out from underneath you. And that might be through ex- excessive spending. That might be through paying fees for things that you don't realize that you're paying or having these reoccur- reoccurring expenses on a credit card. If you pay attention and not bury your head in the sand, you're going to find that you're at least able to know where it's going. And then if you don't have the tools to fix it, know where to go to get that. And again, we're big believers in being a certified financial planner. That That is a designation that separates a lot of people in this industry 
um, from those that have a vast amount of experience from those that maybe are just entering it. So um, again, I think that's a big, a, a big area is knowing where it is. Also, it's never been easier before to monitor that stuff with all the tools that are available, free tools, you know, budgeting apps and tools. And, um, you know, I, I think that uh, a lot of people, I've heard this a lot anyway. I'm not good with money. I'm not good with math. And so what do you do? You tend to avoid it. Well, if you avoid something you're not good at, you're perpetuating the cycle that you will continue to not be good at it if you just keep ignoring it and keep avoiding it. And so lean into it a little bit. Like Matt said, you know, pay attention, monitor your retirement plan through your company, you know, like 401k login or monitor your budget. That's so you, important and people ignore it. Do you think that the reason for that is because there's a lot of fear and emotion that's attached to money? Like people having, like, I know that I've, I've had anxiety over money. I, I you know, again, and, and it's like you said, it, it's like that person that's, I'm in healthcare. So I'll use a healthcare example. Yeah. It's like that person that we'll see in the emergency department that's presenting with some sort of abdominal pain and nausea and vomiting. Yeah. And we're like, how long has that been going on for? Well, it's on and off for the last several months. And then you do an MRI or a CAT scan or whatever, and the person has, God forbid, you know, they have pancreatic cancer or they have some, tor- some sort of serious illness. And you, you say to them, you know, you, or you know, that had they come when they first experienced the symptoms that they face and they dealt with it, they'd be in a better situation. It sounds like it's exactly the same thing with money. That if you put your head in your sand, you pretend like everything's okay, or you're afraid of it, or it freaks you out, or, you know, my favorite, I don't like hospitals. Like anyone likes hospitals. Like, oh, I can't wait to go to the hospital. Like nobody likes hospitals. So of course it's a logical fear. So would you say that a lot of people, um, it's also, they're afraid there's emotions attached to it. And part of what you all do and what people in the financial planning world do, other than just help me put my money in a good investment, you're, you're showing me how to maybe face this and, and not be as scared of it. Like you guys are like almost kind of leading people into the light, if you will, when it comes to money. Let's use that same analogy, Rich, because I, I love the medical and I use this one a lot. Actually, I used this one yesterday in this meeting. Um, so um, my arm is now bent backwards um, and I walk into the emergency room. My wife is freaking out. I'm freaking out. I come to see you, a trauma nurse. What are you doing? Are you freaking out? No. What are you, you're looking at? And you're saying, okay, everyone's crying. Everyone's upset. Th- right. It's a mess happening. I'm going to focus. All right, what do we have to do first? First, we got to take the arm. We got to stabilize it. We got to do this. We got to do that. We got to manage pain. We got It's this exact same process when you go to a good financial advisor. The emotion is stripped away. I'm not looking at the scenario thinking, oh my gosh, what is this person doing? Or, or it'd be the same analogy of, of me walking into that emergency room and you freaking out saying, oh my gosh, your arm is bent backwards right now. I don't know what to do. That doesn't happen when you seek someone who is in this industry, co- a competent individual who has the expertise. It's let's strip away the emotion. Let's look at the math. It's, it's basic math. X is coming in. Y is going out. We need to fix this problem somehow. And okay. here are the tools that we're going to do to do that. So I love the medical analogy and I use it all the time. Um, the, the client I met with yesterday was um, was a, a firefighter paramedic. So it worked out perfect. I said, what happens when you come on scene and there's blood everywhere? If it's me, I am melting down. He's not going to do that. He's going to say, all right, here's, here's the problem. Here's what I need to do to fix it. And I'm going to take away all the emotion or most of it that's that's happening here and just focus on the facts and what I need to do to fix the problem. See, you, you react to blood the way I would react to an Excel spreadsheet. So I totally can can relate to that. So uh, we've, we've already hit a couple of, of the main ways that people lose money. What are some other ones that on, on a regular daily kind of basis, 
that you see the common person in the Western world, how are they unconsciously losing money? That they things that they can do to that the, things that they're doing that are preventable that they're doing. What are some other ways? I, I mean, I think um, you know the, the, the ones we hit on. I think were were so, so important. Not following a trend, not doing something because someone else did it, um, and and just knowing where things are. Organization. I think the most fundamental component of financial planning is a budget. Without that, nothing else. Everything feeds off of the budget. So would, nothing else really matters. Would you say until, that most people have a budget or don't have a budget? They do not. Money, they what? know money comes in, it gets spent. That's it. It goes into this void, this black hole. And it really isn't complicated to do it, especially with what John said, is there's a ton of technology out there that stops you from looking at that Excel spreadsheet. You know, you're linking up some of your information, but there's so many tools to, and, and then we use, we have some proprietary tools that we use in-house for our clients, but there are so many tools out there that can help you get 50% of the way there. Not, not yeah, it's, all the way it's to the hard to, line. It's hard to make the excuse nowadays. I mean, I get it like 10 plus years ago. We didn't have the technology to help us with the budgeting the way that we do now. But you can monitor this stuff yourself a lot easier. And honestly, again, it's just... It's the the main reason people don't do it is because they don't like it. They don't want to look at it. They're, you know, they, uh, I, I actually, I did a, I did a podcast. I was on the other day. It's called marketer of the day. And I had a great conversation with um, the host. His name's Robert Plank. And he said, when he first started his business um, and he was very worried about finances, left his company, started his business, he'd get these bills in the mail and he like, he knew they were bills and he, they would stack up on his desk and he didn't want to look at them. And so he'd ignore them for the month. And what is what good does that do? You know what's on the other side of that. You know you got to tear that open at some point and look at it. And honestly, the more you avoid it, the more interest you're going to rack up and accrue and be a detriment to yourself. Back to the medical analogy, I had um, I was diagnosed with melanoma last year and I got it removed off my shoulder. And now I go every two to three months to continue to do checkups. What good would it be? I don't like going to the doctor. I definitely don't like doing these checkups where someone has to look over like every square inch of my body with a magnifying glass. It makes me super uncomfortable. It's weird. But I do it because I know that it's not something I want to do, but I got to do because it's it's best for my health. And the same thing with your personal health and your personal finances. Like you can't ignore that stuff. And I think I think that's the common mistake. I think people, the two that I would boil it all down to is they get distracted with a quick money tip or a stock idea or whatever, that's one. And they're not focusing on fundamentally what should I be doing to build wealth slow. And then they ignore the hard stuff, the build wealth slow stuff, the, the saving the money, the monitoring your budget. And it's easy to say like, oh, well, you know, I, I put like 10% or whatever into my into my company retirement plan. It comes out pre-tax and you know, it comes out before I even get a, page, a paycheck and so it goes. What's happening with the rest of the money? You got to know, you, you got to know. And there's always opportunities within that. You know, I think you hit on something and I see this a lot on social media without, you know, calling anybody out in particular and, and, and with all due respect to everybody, because everybody has a right to make their own decisions. But I see people on social media getting involved in these get rich quick schemes, um, whether you call them multi-level marketing things, which I guess for some people are fine. And if you're doing that, you're successful at it. Many blessings and, and good luck to you. But I see some people who don't necessarily have the money investing money in these things. And then I find out from them later. And I remember not too long ago, I was approached by somebody about a year and a half, two years ago about this thing that they were 100% sure was going to make tons of money and be super successful. And they swore up and down it would, and they would bet their life on it. And I would regret it if I didn't do it. And everything about it said no to me. And 
not even a year later that that same person you know came up to me and said you're absolutely right it was a complete disaster i also see people on social media jumping on board with some weird i won't say the names but some you know odd cryptocurrencies that kind of started off as a joke but some people are taking seriously and some famous person tweets about it and now they're all like in on it so do you think that also that some people just it's all about it it sounds so you know, I'm dollar to dollar, I'm paycheck to paycheck, money is tight, I've got a lot of expenses, I'm, I'm not making a huge income. And these people are coming at me with these like wonderful, you know, there's some really slick YouTube videos. I'm sure you've seen some of these people on YouTube. How to make a million dollars selling on Amazon. I do it from my home. I've made $2 million last month. I mean, I see these ads all day long. And sometimes I'm even like, whoa, that's cool. I'm like, no, stop, you know? So do you think it's also one of the easiest ways that people lose money is it, is what you just said that that they're they're going for the get rich quick scheme they're jumping on board something that sounds really sexy because what I'm hearing from you is not losing money is not really sexy you know everybody thinks it's like this really you know wow it's like these tricks but it's just doing the hard work it's doing some common sense it's having a budget it's not throwing your money away it's saving paying yourself first it's these kind of common sense things that everyone wants to blow past because it's kind of boring. But it's like when people say to me, how do you get in shape or how do you lose weight? I'm like, burn more calories than you consume. Go to the gym and work out. Go for walks. That's a, such a great analogy, especially the working outside of it. I, I, to answer your question, if these people are making a million dollars, why are they advertising it to you? It's because they need you to help them make the million dollars in a lot of these situations. Again, I'm not going to make a blanket I'm just going to say, the... as the kids today say, shade has been thrown. That's true. <laughs> That's true, uh, though. Listen, it's way true. Way to go, Matt. Way to go. Yeah, now I mean, now we know, lost. Listen, I have some, I have some calling cards, some, some calling cards that I've been trying to invest in that I'm going to send out to you. And all I need you to do is find three other people to also invest in selling calling cards and we're going to make this thing now well, and maybe and, but and maybe some of those things do actually work but the reality is they only work if you work hard at it and that's the that's not the sexy message and it's not fun to hear like hey you want to get wealthy or you want you got to work hard that's you that's what it is that's the equation unfortunately and it's that's I a love hard Gary, message i love gary vanderchuk when he talks about passive income because john how many times i can i don't have enough fingers or toes to now count how many times we've been asked Matt, I just really want to like get some passive income and just like I want to live on a beach and just have money rolling. And I'm like, so you want – and Gary Vandercheck does a fa fabulous job of explaining this. So you want to not work and just have money coming in. That's what your definition of passive income is. And he got, he does a whole breakdown of it, which is it's awesome. If, if you haven't seen it, Google it. But he does a really good job of articulating there's no such thing as passive income. Yeah. Now, passive income is actually a tax term for the way certain income is actually being taxed. It has nothing to do with you not working and making money. That that doesn't those two things, generally speaking, don't go hand in hand. So um, it, there, there's there's some really cool things online about that. But I, I get asked that more times than not. On I just I just want some passive income just so I can sit and do nothing. And I'm like, that doesn't really work. That, that's, that's why. I, that, that's why I guess not to interrupt you, John. But I guess that's why the words "get rich quick" are always followed by the word "scheme." Like honestly, if you Googled, if you Googled in get rich quick, I'm pretty sure Google would auto-populate scheme. It's a scheme because there really is no, and even passive income, like I'm somebody who's written a, a few books. So I already wrote the books. The books are written. They're published. They're written. They've been edited. So from time to time when the books sell well, I'll get some quote passive income. But even that's not really passive income because I still did the work to write the book. And granted, the book's already written. 
but promoting it. I, yeah. I mean, if you know, I have quarters where it doesn't do very much, but then if I spend some time and send some emails and make some phone calls and reach out to people, then all of a sudden I sell more books. So it's, well, I'm sure if you hit, you know, write a one hit wonder song and you own the publishing to it, you'll get that quote passive income. But if you promote the song, if you go on tour and if you play the song, I think you make more money. So I, I hear- the same for rentals, Rich. You know, a lot of people yep. say, well, I'm going to buy 12 rentals and I'm just going to live off of the cash. That's a lot of work managing oh, 10 or my, 12 rental properties. My, my, you have not only that, but back out. up back up to even before that, the work you had to do to save the money to afford the down payment to buy the home and maintain the mortgage payment. And like, there's so much work that goes into any idea yeah. of what quote unquote passive is like Rich, your book. That was a culmination of years of knowledge and experience that led to you then spending the time to write the book. You're just now like after it's published, receiving income as a result of it. But there were years where there was no money, no revenue from the efforts that ultimately that book was created from. So that's why I like the whole Gary Vaynerchuk thing that you're talking about, Matt's like, there's no such thing as passive income. And that's, that's, I I think what he means by that. I even think about my, my older, one of my older brothers, who's, you know, he, he's been a landlord. He's owned property since he was in his twenties. Um, I would, uh, for me personally, and I know there's people listening to this probably do it. It's a lot of work. I mean, I'll be on phone calls with him sometimes where I'm like, just, he's like, oh man, one of my renters is on the phone. I got to go. And then I'll call him later. What's up? Oh, the air conditioner stopped work. Oh, the, the window, bro. Oh, there's a roof leak. Yeah. There's months I'm sure that maybe everything is kind of chill and I know he's done well and he's been very, very smart with his money and he's earned it, but he has worked for that. Trust me, time and time nothing again. Nothing so, passive about that at all. No. So um, what I'm what I'm hearing from you all is that honestly, it's easy to lose money because if you take your eye off anything, you're going to lose it. If you take your kid out to like camping in the wilderness and you take your eye off your kid and they're three, they're going to wander off and you're going to lose your kid. If you take your dog to the dog park and there's no fence and you take your eye off your dog, if you take your eye off something, it's easy to lose it. And I think it's the same thing with money. I love what you guys have said because it's really common sense stuff. If we were going to send people off, honestly, and and I'm sorry to put you on the spot, but I've got to do this. As we wrap this up, and we, you've already you've already said some great things, and I, and I don't want you to have to feel like you have to repeat yourself. But if you were going to send people off, like somebody jumped in an elevator with you, and they said, "How do I avoid losing money? Hurry up! I got two floors." John, what would you tell me? I would tell you, <clears throat> ignore the noise, focus on the discipline that you're creating for yourself. Macro patience, micro speed. Another Gary Vaynerchuk quote. Nailed it. Which Mike is like drop. I had to, I mean, I had to take a second to breathe and think about this, but the macro patience, micro speed. And I love that like very easy quote from him to remember, which is about, you know, having the patience and being able to look at the big picture of what you're working towards and and accepting like I'm not gonna get there tomorrow. I'm not gonna get there next year. Like this will take a long time to get there. Macro patience, micro speed. Put your head down, work hard. Do the things today to get you to where you want to get on the macro later on in life. That that's great. I mean, that, and uh, granted, at this point, I would have put my hand in the elevator door and stood there and listened to you, but it was worth the wait. Matt, what yeah, about I can you? see you hitting the ring button, the, the alarm button, like get me out of this thing. I don't want to be here anymore. Okay, so here's John, my- you get in the elevator, and John just turns to you and you go hi, and he goes macro patience, micro speed. And you go, what? <laughs> floor, floor, floor. Sorry, okay, Matt. Go. Okay, here's mine. The best way to lose money 
is paying 20%, 27% interest on your credit card. That's the best way to lose money, right? That money is being flushed literally down the toilet. So let's back up for a second. How do we not lose money? Well, why do those credit cards get racked up? Sometimes it's through excess spending because we're not paying attention. And I think we've beat that topic into the ground. Pay attention to your money. I think one of the things that we had not addressed yet in this podcast, and I think is incredibly important, is having a savings account. The reason why you put that new transmission on a credit card or that new AC unit on a credit card is because you had no other place for it to go but a credit card. I think you need to have a savings account. And there's a lot of different ways to a lot of different metrics to figure out what that amount should be. But there are a lot of things out there and, and feel free to Google or, or speak to a certified financial planner on what is the appropriate amount that I should have sitting, earning nothing, sitting in a savings account, doing nothing, boring, nothing sexy about it. Um, but that is the money that's going to stop you in the future, hopefully, within reason. Obviously, there's things that happen in life that we can't control. But if we can mitigate those by having by borrowing from ourselves instead of borrowing from insert bank name here. Um, at a very high interest rate, then that's going to stop you from losing money. Or in the reverse, that's the best way to lose money is to not have a place to go and not have a savings account. I got 13 savings accounts for all different reasons. So we'll talk about that on a different show. But I mean, we save for not just the car stuff, like if a transmission goes, but I mean, we bring it down to date nights and being able to pay the babysitter. And I mean, we make it like very micro. Microsoft a lot of cool strategies. A lot of cool strategies. I will tell you the best money advice I've ever been given was. I hope it was uh, from me. A, a, an I hope expert it was on this was, podcast. No, it was from neither of you. Oh, it was the quickest way to double your money is to fold it in half and put it back in your pocket. I'm just kidding. That no one's ever told me that, but <laughs> but it's kind of funny. Listen, I think this is so important because I know from just living my life, I know from having. 600 and something thousand people that, that I get to interact with on TikTok and 30 something thousand people I get to interact with on Instagram. I know a lot of people are having a tough time right now. And I know a lot of people are, are not being able to see their way out of some of the struggle that they're going through. There's extremes on every side. Okay. There's people that are making tons of money during this very difficult time because of whatever reason. And then there's people who are struggling to make ends meet. And there's always going to be the extremes. I just think that this is valuable information because I think so many people have so much anxiety over money. And I think just having some basic ideas that you guys have presented has been really helpful. So thank you for sharing your expertise for free for people that are just listening and just kind of want to get some common sense, easy, easy ways to, to be able to, to deal with money and to avoid losing it. So thank you guys for, for sharing that. It, it means a lot. I've learned some cool things on here. So for all of you that are listening, you know, go ahead and grab the New York Times away from your pet monkey, put your Starbucks down, park that leased Ferrari, and you know, run out of your rented house. No, Ooh, I'm just kidding. A but Ferrari. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who, who would buy it. Would you buy a Ferrari? Because I would lease a Ferrari. Because if Depending. you're gonna I would. I would. I would lease a Ferrari because I would want a new if I was that wealthy, I'd want a new one every few years, okay. probably. Fair enough. I don't, I'm just thinking. But everybody, thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you've gotten some great hints. Hopefully you've gotten some things that you can kind of use for your own life. Because you know what? At the end of the day, while money is not the most important thing in the world, it sure does come in handy when you need it. So thanks for listening. Make sure you like and share this podcast. We appreciate you being here. We appreciate all of you. Thank you so much. And hopefully you'll tune in again for our next podcast. Thanks for joining us. 
at Above Board with Canderpath. Until the next time, from me, John, and Matt, we say peace out and take care of your money because your money will take care of you. Bye.